gathered under you in your name. Amen. In this atmosphere of solemnity. Amen. In this atmosphere of love. Amen. Lord, in this atmosphere of deep gratitude. Amen. Lord, we like to consider the matter of worship. Amen. Lord, we pray Amen. that in your recovery in the churches, Amen. this matter of the New Testament worship will experience a revival. Amen. Lord, a real restoration. Amen. Lord, bring us Amen. into your heart's desire Amen. that today we would be constituted the true New Testament worshipers. Amen worshiping you Amen. in spirit Amen. and in truth. Amen. We pray that you will gain such a worship, Amen. the worship that you desire, Amen. and indeed a worship that you deserve. Amen. You are no longer just our God, Amen. our creator. Amen. Today you are our Father, Amen. our Abba, Amen. our Father in life. Oh, thank you for giving to us your only begotten Amen. who has declared your precious name to us. Amen. Today we have received your life as a result. Amen. We're no longer sinners but sons. Amen. We're here gathered together Amen. as sons in your great household Amen. to love you, Father, Amen. to thank you, Father, Amen. and to worship you, Father. Amen. We cannot forget that he is the one leading the praise. Amen. In the church, Amen. he is hymning you. Amen. He is praising you. Amen. He's praising you in our praises. Amen. He is hymning you in our singing. Amen. So we like to be your singing people, Amen. your hymning church, Amen. your praising congregation. Amen. We pray such a church life would be so real. Amen recovered among us in these days. Amen. Father, we consecrate this meeting to you. Amen. Come to us. Amen. Speak to us in a sweet and tender way again. Amen. Draw us and woo us to yourself once more. Amen. We pray this in the dear name of your Son, Amen. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, uh, today we come to the second of the, uh, the series of, I call them lessons, um, regarding the practice of the Lord's table, which uh, some of you were not here last night. Um, we uh, said some introductory words uh, to impress on us that how this very common uh, even a kind of ordinary practice among us that we do once a week uh, could become something of a formality, something as a routine, something that over time has diminished in its meaning. It is quite possible. In fact, I think it has happened already. So my small burden this weekend is to help the churches here in the Mid-Atlantic area, that perhaps the Lord would be uh, gracious to us, uh, that we would find a revival, a uh, renewal, 
even in this practice. Actually, this is more than just a practice. This is the greatest thing. Um, uh, you know, I uh, uh, quoted in my prayer uh, this one of the greatest uh, passages that would reveal, be revealed by the Lord himself, himself uh, in his uh, dialogue, a conversation with this immoral woman, uh, you know, at Jacob's well, once upon a time. And there, as they enter into a kind of a religious discussion of sorts, um, this woman being a Samaritan, which is sort of a half and half, you know, um, they have a Jewish uh, ancestry with them, but they also mixed up with these Babylonian people who have come, um, you know, during the times when they took, uh, 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 Babylon took uh, Israel captive, and, and, and actually they immigrated these uh, Gentile Babylonians and those, there was a kind of a mixed marriage and so on, resulting in these people living in Samaria. They are uh, half and halves. So uh, they uh, recognize Moses as their um, uh, uh, um, uh, forebear, and they even um, um, uh, subscribe to the law of Moses uh, and had their kind of half and half worship of God. Uh, but they also were mixed up with some uh, many other things. So uh, this woman, even though he was sinful, knew enough to, about this to talk to the Lord about her fathers. This is the Samaritan woman worshiping in this physical mountain, probably somewhere in Samaria. And you, he said, in Jerusalem... Uh, it says that Jerusalem is the place of worship. And Jesus said, just stop him right there. He said, pause, right? He said, woman, believe me. Now this, you have to be ready for perhaps one of the greatest revelation there is uh, out of the mouth of the Lord. An hour is coming, he said when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. The subject of this conversation is worship. And the worship of the Father, the Father God. Your, you worship, the Lord said to the woman, that which you do not know. You don't know what you're talking about. We worship that which we know, referring to the Jews. For salvation is of the Jews. That means standing before you is God's salvation, the Savior. You don't know. You just think this, he's just this thirsty Jew that has stopped by the well. Salvation comes out of the Jews, and I am here. And he continued, but an hour is coming. It's coming very soon. It's not here yet, but it's on its way. 
in less than three years' time that hour will have arrived. Of course, he didn't say all of this, but that is implied. And it is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truthfulness, for the Father also seeks such to worship him. Now, brothers and sisters, you've got to remember this verse. You've got to be able to recite this verse. You've got to internalize this verse. You have to pray read this verse again and again and again to know what is deeply in the Father's heart. He has been waiting for a time, for an hour, for an age, really, where he will find true worshipers, meaning all the worship that were done by the Jews um, were just a picture, were just a type. They just, they foreshadow the real worship. All those, the tabernacle with the priesthood, with all the furnishings, with all the offerings, with all the ordinances associated with that worship. They are but pictures. They are but types. They're not real. The Father is actually seeking true worshipers on this earth, in this universe, as if the worship that comes from his ministers called the angels is inadequate. You know the angels worship. Uh, there were the 24 elders in Revelation. Uh, in a sense, the whole creation worships God. But the Father is seeking another kind of worship, the real worship. That not all his creatures can do, can participate in. That worship of himself is in spirit and truthfulness. You cannot forget these two words. In spirit refers to the lo location, to the place. It's no longer a matter of this or that mountain or this or that building or this or that cathedral. The place to worship the Father in a new age is in spirit, in the spirit of man, in the human spirit. That spirit is the dwelling place of God. That spirit is the holy of holies of the tabernacle, of the real tabernacle. That spirit is the place where we worship him. 
And so, my brothers and sisters, I feel that in order to renew our worship life in the church, we must begin with our spirit again. When we don't use our spirit, when we don't turn to our spirit, when we don't exercise our spirit, we are without a place of worship. You, your body may be sitting there. You got a hymnal on your lap. But if you are not in the spirit, there is no worship. Millions of people on Sunday go to church and sit in a pew and all kinds of trappings and all kinds of setups, all kinds of rites are ready. But there is no worship because no one is in their spirit. They are at best replicating the Jewish style of worship, which is the case. Roman Catholicism, one of the things it does is they went back to the Judaistic ways, mingling that with the New Testament things. And sorry to say, even many Protestant denominations are doing the same thing. Even after the Reformation, they were not able to extricate themselves from all of that, those, that mixture that is brought in by Catholicism. It does not matter where you sit, what meeting, what, 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 what building you're in. It matters whether you are now in your spirit or not. That determines whether there's real worship or not. And so sitting here this morning, where are you, my brothers and sisters? Are you there just in your body? You brought your body here. Are you in your spirit right now? Have you turned to your spirit? Are you exercising your spirit? Amen. Well, sorry to say, I don't think so. When I came to this meeting, it's quiet. You're all talking, uh, greeting. I don't sense that much spirit. I don't sense that much spirit. It should be that the moment we gather here, not because we're in this, uh, this, this, this uh, conference room, but because we're gathered together as the Lord's people and we are the church. Amen. The church, right, is God's building in spirit according to Ephesians 2, Amen. right? Amen. We're the dwelling place of God in spirit. Amen. And the dwelling place of God is the place of worship. Amen. That's where the real church is. And even, even if we gather our bodies together, that is still not the church. It's when our spirits are together. That corporate spirit is the reality of the church. And so we must be there. So get rid, please, brothers and sisters, of this habit of not using your spirit, not only in our daily life, but especially in our meeting life. When you come together, you need to forget everything and turn to your spirit. And our mouth is connected to our spirit. So you better exercise your spirit by opening your mouth. Amen. To pray. Amen. To call on the Lord. Amen. To sing a song. Amen. To speak something. Amen. Use your spirit. Amen. Otherwise there's no worship. I'm not talking about 
a certain decibel range. I'm not talking about how loud you have to be. I'm talking about simply a use of your mingled spirit. Without that, there is no worship. You can even bow down. You know these people, right? Three times a day they bow down. You go to some of these countries in the hotel room, there's a little arrow on the ceiling showing that's pointing to Mecca. So three times a day you have to turn according to that and prostrate your whole being with your head touching the floor. Now, I guarantee no one in this room does that. But my question is, is that worship? It's not. The real worship is whether you're in the spirit. Because the Father's life is in our spirit. Because the Father's dwelling place is in our spirit. Not only in my spirit, but in our spirit. That corporate built up spirit. And there we have to be to render the Father the true worship. So please, saints, even in the recovery, we can gather together and have fake fellowship. Fake news, huh? Fake fellowship. Apparently, we're here worshiping, but actually, the Father does not get the real fellowship because there's no exercise of the Spirit. We need to get rid of that religious tradition to come and sit to come and just go along, to go, come and just be there without participating by being in the Spirit, Amen. using your Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen? Will you do that? Amen. Whether it's 12 people there or 1,200 people there is not the point. This morning we're talking about now a second or third wave of mega churches are everywhere. And they're all about the same. A huge big stage with the latest musical instruments set up for, you can choose in some places. If you like rock, you go to the rock theater. If you like country, you go to the country theater, depending what genre of music you like. Really, I'm not kidding you. We have such a place down the freeway from where I live. One of the largest maker churches, you can make your choice. And someone will be the worship leader and whatever, whatever. Dear brothers and sisters, are we doing that? I know we don't have a band here, I know that. But we can laugh at that, we can dismiss that. But how about ourselves? I'm not so sure. Even in the church life, in the recovery, we are rendering the adequate worship to our Father. Because there's no spirit. Although spirit is very weak. Very, un- very little exercised. You may say, how come you're harping on this thing? How come, how come you keep talking about this thing? Because it's true. Shall we rebel against our natural ways? Dear saints? Huh? Huh? Even the natural religious ways in the church. 
Shall we do that? Amen. Dear saints, your spirit. Amen. Are you here to worship or not? Amen. And the Lord told us how to worship. Don't go to this place or that mountain. An hour is now. It's now. The real worshipers worship the Father in spirit. And then in truthfulness. What is truthfulness? Truthfulness is nothing other than Christ. His Son, the Lord. I am the reality. I am the truth. In fact, he is even the truthfulness. Actually, the truthfulness here also refer to sincerity. Something from the heart. Last night, one of our sisters talked about not just here remembering someone like Abraham Lincoln just because you read a book about Abraham Lincoln. You have nothing to do with him. You just know some facts and figures about this great person. And you remember there, him. That remembrance is objective. Right? But let's say... Here is your father, and your father has passed away. That's different. That's not Abraham Lincoln you're remembering. You're remembering someone very close to you. You remember someone from whom you receive your biological life. You are remembering someone who raised you up. Am I right? Someone close to you. Someone you're subjectively related to. That remembrance is not Abraham Lincoln. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, that our Heavenly Father is more so than our physical Father? That He has given us His own life in Jesus Christ's Son? And that by doing so, we now have been reborn, regenerated to become His many sons? That we are His sons in life? Real sons? That we have been given a spirit of sonship within us to cry, Abba, Father. So our, our remembrance, remembrance of this Father is much, much closer. Well, back to this matter. So when we worship, it is not a distant worship, like God is way out there, and I'm here doing this way out there in a distant way. In an objective way. In a cold, unfeeling way. No, this worship is in truthfulness. Full of sincerity. Full of the heart. Full of feeling. When you say Daddy. When you say Abba. When you say Baba. When you say, Father, you are full of feeling. Your whole heart is engaged. Your whole heart is involved. And sorry to say, in many of our meetings, I, uh, uh, after the Lord's table in our worship of the Father, I don't sense that. It's just section two of our Lord's table. Part two. We better sing a song. 
Where is that feeling? Where is the feeling of being a son? It also means this truthfulness that Christ is what we bring to offer to the Father. When you worship in the Old Testament, you have to bring something. You cannot come empty-handed. You have to bring the bulls, the goats, something that you have labored on in the good land as a produce for worship. You cannot come empty-handed. That's why the altars are there. We're there. So when we come to worship the Father, we have to bring something. What something? We don't bring a thing. We don't bring bulls and goats. We bring the reality that is Jesus Christ. We bring him as our unique present to God. In fact, God will accept no other present except his son. God will reject every kind of offering that you may bring. So please don't bring it. Leave it back home. Just bring Christ to the meeting. Amen. Bring Christ to offer up to him. Amen. He will only enjoy Christ. Amen. Only his son will make him happy. Amen. Nothing else. So our Christ is a real, real, what? Burn offering. A real, real meal offering. A real, real, what? Sin offering. A real, real trespass offering. And a real, real peace offering. So when we come together, we would bring this Christ in so many rich aspects. That means the Christ that we have experienced and labor on and gain in our experience. We bring it to God and worship God with his son as our content of worship. Brothers and sisters, no wonder we need a Lord's table daily life. It's not 40 minutes on Sunday. It's every day we should be enjoying this Christ. Amen. We should be living this Christ. Amen. We should be producing this Christ. Amen. And on Lord's Day, we know what we do? We come here to demonstrate, to testify, this is the one that we enjoy. Father, this is the one. We bring this one to you for your satisfaction. The Father will say, very good. Very good. But no, not only we don't exercise our spirit, we have nothing to bring in the recovery. We, we have been, our eyes have been opened. Look. The first conference ever in this country is called the All-Inclusive Christ. Just according to a few verses in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And Brother Lee gave a whole conference on all the aspects of the good land, the milk, the honey, the hills, the valleys, the springs. Am I right? The iron, the bronze. And all the richness, riches in the good land, all being types of this Christ, and now we have inherited this promised land. We are to explore, we are here to labor, we are here to produce and grow this Christ and bring it with us to the place of worship and offer it to the Father. 
for his satisfaction. So brothers and sisters, are we doing this? See, I am not just concerned this weekend with this kind of knowledge. I am burdened that we would practice these things. We would have a renewed church life. Amen. Not one that is so low. Not, some, not, not one that is so, what, so empty. Empty. A sign of degradation is emptiness. Not just death. Not just worldliness. But emptiness. We come together with nothing. That would be a shame. And the Father would not be satisfied. It says here, for the Father who seeks such to worship him. Do you know the Father is a seeking Father? He's not just seeking. He's not just waiting for the prodigal to return. In Luke 15, in John chapter 4, he's seeking. He's seeking. He is tirelessly looking. Where on earth are my true worshipers? Where are these people who would worship me in this way? Of the millions of Christians, how many have seen this and how many are rendering this kind of up to standard worship to him? Then he says this famous verse 24, God is spirit. God is spirit. God is not physical. God is not in the mental realm. God is himself by nature, by essence, spirit. And those who worship him, that means the New Testament worshipers, must worship him in spirit and truthfulness. No, I'm not mixed up. The Lord did say it twice. Showing how important this idea is. He's looking. He's, the Lord is repeating this. Must worship him in spirit. Do you know, dear saints, that our whole church life is one big worship? Do you know this? We should live a life of worship. Whenever we gather, it's a moment of worship. When we serve, when we do this thing and that thing, we're not just accomplishing jobs and projects. We are worshiping. So constantly, regularly, we should be in a state of worship. Even right now, my speaking is a form of worship. Your listening is a kind of worship. But it all depends where we are and how we are. I tell you, this matter of worship is a great, great matter that has burdened my spirit. I feel this matter needs to be greatly, greatly recovered. Now we're here talking about in the context of the Lord's table, the second section, so-called. So I hate to even use the word like section, like parts. It is part of the Lord's table. 
as we will see in this outline, in a very, very clear way. Now let me say something here before we get on there. And that is according to even these few verses we just read in John 4, that there is a new kind of worship today, in this age, different from the worship in the past age, that means the Old Testament age. So in this sense, the dispensation has changed. We're in a new dispensation. All right? But not only so. We use that word dispensation in two different ways. One, it means an age. An age. According to God's economy, he administrates the whole world according to different ages. So there's something called dispensationalism, which we subscribe to as a way to study the word, as a way to understand scriptures, as the way to understand God's plan. But there's another meaning for the word dispensation. And usually we use the adjective form, and that is dispensational. And that means what? That means something related to God's economy. So today, we're not only in a new age or a new dispensation. Today, we're engaged in a worship that we would like to call a dispensational worship. A worship according to God's economy. And I have actually used the past 10, 15 minutes to describe that dispensational worship, but I'd like to say something more. And that is that dispensation, that dispensational worship is what? Is two ways. One is with God coming to man. And the other is with man going to God. How does God come to man? God comes to man in his son, Jesus Christ, who after a process, a long process, became the spirit. So there in is God's dispensing in his economy. God the Father in the Son as the Spirit Amen. being dispensed into you and I. Amen. Now that is a great thing, isn't it? But that is God's coming to us to become life to us. So the Father as the source of life. The Son as the course of this life and the Spirit as the transmission of this life would bring this entire triune God, the entire Godhead, not Godhead, the entire God as life, triune God as life 
into us human beings. So when we believe in the Lord, when we repent, when we receive Him, this dispensing took place. Amen? Amen. And today we have this triune God in our spirit. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that is half. There is another half to complete this economy of God. And that is in our going back to God. Not only God coming to man, but now man going to God. Which is ultimately what God wants. And this going back to him is seen in Ephesians chapter 2. And that is man going back to God through the Son and in the Spirit to the Father. And that is the worship, the dispensational worship. Today, we cannot go to the Father. No man can go to the Father directly. Everyone has to come through him. That's why the Lord say, I am the way. No man can come to the Father except through me. Christ is our way to the Father God. So we come through the Father, uh, through the Son. But not only so, in the Spirit. Today the Son is the Spirit. Right? The Spirit is the reality of the Son. So we come to the Father through the Son because of the redemptive work that He has accomplished through His shed blood. Am I right? As I'm cutting the way, a new and living way for us to draw near to Him. And this one, this son, today is the spirit. So what? So in this spirit, in this son, ask the spirit. Or the spirit, ask the realization of the son. Or the reality of the son. We can what? Come and touch the father. Amen. Now this is the New Testament clear revelation. And I tell you, just in this coming and this going back is the whole story of the Bible. The entire economy of God. One day in this universe, actually in the New Jerusalem, that New Jerusalem is such a place of worship, eternal worship. What kind of worship? This kind of worship. The, fa the Father, the God, will still be coming. Don't say it came already. He will eternally be coming because you got the throne. Am I right? Amen? Amen. You got the river. Am I right? Amen. You got the tree. Am I right? Amen. So even in the new Jerusalem, that dispensing will still be coursing forward. We will still be under the dispensing of the triune God, even in eternity. Amen. But believe me, the other way is also true, 
in that eternity, we will be ceaselessly worshiping Him. Through the Son and in the Spirit, going back to the throne, going back to the Father. In fact, it says in the New, uh, 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 in the new Jerusalem, there's no temple there. Because the Son, am I right? Is the temple. There will be still worship. And his slaves will serve him. Doing what? Offering bulls and goats? Forget about it. It is a time when they will eternally be offering this Christ. To God. This coming, this going. This dispensing, this worshiping. Brothers and sisters, is our church life today. That's our church life. Our church life is not running from one thing to the other, doing this, doing that, a little bit there, a little bit there. I'm in the church life. No, you can be doing all those things, but missing out of this dispensational worship. Every day, brothers and sisters, we should be under this dispensing. And every day, brothers and sisters, we should be worshiping him. That's our daily life. From morning to evening. What is morning revival? Morning revival is when this dispensing is taking place. And this worshiping is also taking place. This coming, this going. And when we come to the church meeting in the evening, same thing. Except now it's in a corporate setting. I was so arrested by this burden just recently. I told the brothers, uh, in January, I gave the same messages to the Spanish-speaking saints in Southern California. And after that, I have no thought, but after that, I was so, so arrested by this matter of the worship of the Father, like I've never been before. I wrote down 14 points. And these 14 points, each of them can be a message, in my feeling, to just touch this matter of worship. It is so huge, so great. Now you don't need to write it down. It's, it's up to you, but it's a work in progress. But I like to impress upon you how great this, this, this matter is. Th- these are just points, huh? Related to the worship of the Father God. Number one, four different kinds of worship. You say, what are those four? I won't tell you. But anyway, there are four different kinds of worship in this universe. Yeah? Well, I'll tell you one. (laughs) I'll tell you one. It's the worship of Satan. That's one of the four kinds of worship. Every human being worships something. Uh, 
the atheists say, no, I, I have no God. Let me tell you, the atheists are worshipers of something. And he it just may be the worshiper of Satan. Actually, it is. Because Satan is the first one who would say there's no God. And when he says there's no God, that means I am the God. Worship me. Didn't he do that? When the Lord was in the wilderness being tempted, the last temptation. Worship, bow down, worship me. All this kingdom that is mine is yours. Satan today is seeking worshipers, just like the Father. And don't think, you say, I don't worship God, I don't worship no devil. Let me tell you, if you don't worship God the Father, you are worshiping the devil. Like it or not. Okay. Number two, two distinct ages of worship. I mentioned a little bit already, the two dispensations. Three, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truthfulness. I I touched a little bit of that already. Four, a dispensational worship. I touched a little bit of that. Skim through that a little bit. Number five, the Son's extolment of the Father. Do you know when the Son lived on the earth? He lived a life of worship. the Son of God. And here and there, he would extol the Father. He would speak well of the Father. He would praise the Father. And take note of that. Don't, don't just say, well, well, that, that's just somewhere in the Bible. Pay attention to how he lived as a God-man model. Father, I extol you. That's how he lived. He was truly the first New Testament worshiper. Six, accessing the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. I also touch a little bit. Seven, the Son manifesting the Father's name to men given to the Son. Huge matter. In John, especially John 17, in the Lord's last prayer. The Son manifesting the Father's name to men given to the Son. Because it's only to those that the Son has manifested or will manifest the Father's name. Eight, which means the Father's person. Eight, knowing the Father's name receiving the Father's word and having the Father's glory. That is in John 17. All this have eventually effect and great, great meaning in our worship. Nine, the praise of the firstborn son to the Father in the midst of the church. We'll cover that in Hebrews 2 which is a quote from Psalm 22. The praise of the firstborn son to the father in the midst of the church. 
Number 10, singing hymns of praise to the Father. Singing hymns of praise to the Father. This is a great matter. And this is what we will touch a lot in what we do after we partake of the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> a great thing to sing praise to the Father, led by the Son, the firstborn Son. 11, crying, Abba, Father, by the Spirit of His Son and in the, our spirit of sonship. The Spirit of His Son is capital S. Our spirit of sonship is lowercase s. giving thanks to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will find this in all the epistles of a life, a thanksgiving life. Brothers, I find a lot of our church life is not much thanksgiving. In fact, murmuring, complaining. What kind of... That is not, that is not the right way. The right living is giving thanks to the Father all the time in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, it is not about just one day in the week and singing hymn number 53. It's about a daily life of thanking the Father. That must be recovered. 13, blessing God the Father who bless us according to his eternal purpose. That is Ephesians 1. Blessed be our, the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that passage. This is a great, that is the beginning of Ephesians. Ephesians begins with praise, with well speaking, with worship. And all this is according to God's eternal purpose. And finally, number 14, a new song of the overcomers. That is in Revelation, I believe, chapter 14. These overcomers will sing a song as a worship, as the first fruits, leading the worship. Truly, truly, that is one definition of a real overcomer who is in this worship. When the church of God degraded, when the real worship is but all lost, there's some overcomers who would sustain the genuine worship to God the Father. And dear brothers and sisters, in the Lord's recovery, by the Lord's grace, we should be doing that. And I must say, this is not hard. Once you see this revelation, once you have this view, you cannot but Seek to live this way. And when we live this way, our meetings will change. Our Lord's table will be uplifted. 
Now, I must get on in this outline, and we have to read these other two passages in Scripture reading because they are important. The first one is just one verse in Matthew 26, verse 30, and that occurs after the Lord established the first supper of his following the Passover feast that he had with his disciples. And it says this. Now, firstly, let me remind you, in verse 29, he said, I won't drink of this product of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you. Listen, in the kingdom of my Father. Right there, right there, do you note? The Lord is tying this table to a time when he will appear again to feast with us anew. Where? In the kingdom of his Father. Right there, the Father is brought in. There's an anticipation on his part to enjoy this feast again in the Father's kingdom. That means under the Father's ruling and in the Father's presence. We will, he will enjoy this feast with us again. And brothers and sisters, every time, every Lord's Day, when we partake of the supper, we should be waiting for the same day. After that, in verse 30, and after singing a hymn, so they sang a hymn, right, they was, right as they were sitting, having finished the Lord's table. They sang a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives. You know, the Mount of Olives is where the Lord took the disciples to and where he met the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, showing that he was leading his brothers to be his disciples to contact the Father. Starting out with singing a hymn. Now, if you just read this verse, you just say, well, he just sang a hymn. Therefore, you and I have to read Hebrews, okay? Now, we need this. We must pair Hebrews 2 with Matthew 26, 30. In verse 11 and 12, I would like to even draw your attention even to verse 10 first. For it was fitting for him, that's the firstborn, the Lord, for whom are all things and through whom are all things in leading many sons. I'm sorry, that hymn does not refer to the Lord. I, I was mistaken. For him that refers to God, for whom are all things and through whom are all things in leading many sons, that means us, into glory to make the author of their salvation, that is the Lord, perfect through sufferings. Right here again, you have the many sons with the firstborn going into glory, led by God. 
Glory is their destination, the very expression of the triune God. In full is their destination. And then in verse 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. Who is he who sanctifies? That is the firstborn. That is the firstborn son of God, Christ. He is the sanctifier. He sanctifies us in this process. In our journey to glory. And those who are being sanctified, that's us. Right? In this process. Are all of one. Of one, that means the Father. We all share the same source. And that is the Father God. He is both His God and our God. His Father and our Father. On the day of resurrection. We're all of one. Today we can proudly declare, safely declare, Jesus and us are all of one. We share the same God. We have the same Father. He is our big brother. Am I right? And we're all the Lord's little brothers. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers. You know, after the Lord's table. The table we remember, the new covenant established in his blood for, the, our, for our forgiveness of sins. He is our Savior, the Lord. But after that, after his death, and in his resurrection, he's no longer just our Savior anymore. He is what? He is now our brother. So at this second part of the worship of the Father, he joins us, or rather we join him. We are now, we share the same place as the hymn says, as, as he. We are in the same brotherhood. We are brothers of Christ. And we follow his lead as one band, as one group to come to the Father to worship him. This is a great revelation. The Christians today just know Jesus as your personal savior. But we see more. That Jesus is our big brother. Amen? Amen? Amen. Do you call him savior or do you call him brother? Huh? He's our what? He's our savior brother. Amen? Amen? Amen. First he's our savior. Then he's our brother. Because just as Savior, he cannot lead us. Only as the big brother, he can lead us. As saved sinners, we cannot follow him. But as regenerated brothers, we now can follow him. 
saying, verse 12, I will declare your name to my brothers. That took place in resurrection. To declare your name to my brothers, that means to declare the Father's name, the Father's person, including the Father's life. He declared it to us. He gave the Father's name to us. To those that have been given to him, to those who are destined to be his brothers in life. He's done that. He's done that. So verse 12 is, according to Psalm 22, on the part of the Lord's resurrection. That psalm taught, depicted the Lord to prophesy concerning the Lord's suffering in his crucifixion. But there is this one verse. In Psalms, I will declare your name to my brothers. What a great prophecy. In the midst of the church, in the midst of the church, the church was mentioned, the assembly. Of the congregation. So the church is an entity born in resurrection, composed of Christ's many brothers. If you're not a brother of Jesus, you have no place in the church of God. In the midst of that church, of that assembly, of that congregation, I, the Lord, will sing hymns of praise to you. You know, this tells us even the function of the church. The first function of the church, the function of the church as it relates to the Father God, it is to praise. Amen. Actually, in Greek, it means, I will hymn you, Father. Hymn being a verb in a verbal usage. I will hymn you in the midst of the church. Why in the midst of the church? Because now he cannot and will not hymn the Father alone, as he did when he was on earth. Now he has many brothers. He's now taking the lead to sing hymns to the Father with his brothers. In fact, today, because he's one with his brothers, am I right? The Lord is one with us now, am I right? Yeah. We are one spirit with him, am I right? Yeah. So today, actually, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, is hymning the Father in our hymning. He is praising in our praising. In fact, he cannot praise if we don't praise. He cannot hymn if we don't hymn. That's why he's doing it in the midst of the church. He and us are joined together. Brothers and sisters, this is serious business. That means if you and I don't praise the Father, the Son of God has no way to praise the Father. He prays the Father in our praise. He sings in our singing. 
So how can we come to this time, this hour, and not praise, and not sing, and not hymn? If we are like this, then the Son cannot hymn and cannot praise. I mean Christ. And the Father will be deprived of the worship. Now, there's a lot more to be said. I just say this much. I think it's good enough. Now, let's come to the outline. Are you okay? Are you still awake? Are you still worshiping? Lesson two, worshiping the Father. Let's read one together. The Lord's Table Meeting. So you put Matthew about the Lord singing a hymn and leading them to Mount Olives together with Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. You will see this complete view that after we remember the Lord, we should follow him immediately to worship the Father. That's why we practice what we practice today. It is not a form. It is not a liturgy. It is not a ritual. It is a reality of the dispensational worship of this age. According to the procedure in God's salvation, we first receive the Lord and then draw near to the Father. All right? We, we cannot go directly to the Father. You'll be, you'll be burned up into a crisp, okay? The only way to the Father is through the Savior, the Son. So we need to receive the Lord first, and then the Lord will be the way for us to draw near to the Father. Okay, B, in Matthew 26, 26 to 30, after the Lord Jesus broke the bread and sang a hymn with the disciples, he led them to the Mount of Olives. One, he led them to the Mount of Olives to meet with the Father. Two, a principle is implied and established, that is, after we have broken the bread to remember the Lord, we should be led by him to worship the Father together. Don't you feel at such time it is so natural after we have this rich remembrance of him? Remember me? That is so natural spontaneously we felt that this me is now leading us to go further to worship our Father together. Okay, two... uh, uh, Let's read two. Matthew 26, 30 says, Having sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So, so A, this was a praise to the Father by the Lord with his disciples after the Lord's table. Now, there's too much to say. We'll start tonight concerning singing hymns in our praise. The, the Lord sang a hymn. Now, I don't know what hymn he sang. I have no idea. But he sang a hymn. He didn't 
gave a sermon. He sang a hymn. So hymn singing is a great thing in the church. It is based upon these verses that we sing praises to the Father. At the end of the Lord's table as we worship, as our worship to him. One, we must have a definite time and definite action in the church to worship the Father. Well, the question is, what is that time? And what is that action? Two, we have to believe the best time is immediately following the remembrance of the Lord at his table. I think this is very obvious. That's not the only time, but that is the best time. Every day, we should worship the Father, alone, with a few. But when the church comes together to remember the Lord, that is the best hour to worship the Father. Three, please read together. Hebrews 2.12 says, I will declare your name in the midst of the church. I will sing hymns of praise unto you. A, here we see the Son declaring the Father's name to his brothers. That is, making the Father known as the source of life and as the begetting God. This is what it means to declare the name. By such declaration, the life of the Father is dispensed to us through him, through the Son, and we all are begotten or regenerated to be the sons of God. B, this verse also tells us that the Son sing him, sings hymns of praise to the Father in the midst of the church. As if we are begotten to be good for only one thing. That is to sing. That is to praise. So if you don't sing and praise, why are you begotten? Why did you become sons of God? Well, you say for God's expression. Well, that is a little general. I tell you, when we praise the Father, that's when glory is expressed. That's when we sing, glory, glory to the Father. Am I right? When the Father is glorified, he is glorified by our praise, by our blessing of him, by our well-speaking of him. Blessing and honor and glory and might and wisdom be unto him. And this is not a praise. Right? Merely from the creatures. It should be a praise from us. By this verse, we see that the brothers are the church. Individually speaking, we are the brothers. And collectively speaking, we are the church brought forth in Christ's resurrection. Now, Jesus, as the indwelling spirit, sings praises to the Father through us, the church. Yes, he is singing, but he is singing in our spirit. And through our singing, our praise, our praising, our hymning, the spirit is doing this in our spirit. 
to the Father. Jesus in the midst of the church sings hymns of praise unto the Father. This is the firstborn sons praising of the Father within the Father's many sons in the church meetings. It is not that he praises the Father apart from us and alone, but rather within us and with us through our praising. Whenever Christ's brother sings praises to the Father, he sings in their singing. If they do not sing, how then he, can he sing? For Jesus to sing praises to the Father, we must sing. No one, not one of the sons of God should be silent at such time. Should have their mouth closed. It is not right. It is not right. Dear saints, it is not about us needing to release our spirit to enjoy something. It is our, about our Father hungry for worship from his many sons. After we, re we render our praises to Christ in remembrance of him, he will take us to the Father and we will follow our indwelling elder brother as he leads us in song. It's so sweet when we sing to the Father. You know why? Because you know what is the element of that sweetness? It's not just the melody of a good hymn. It's the son singing in your spirit. That makes the singing sweet. Okay, let's read four. The Father is seeking... I don't need to say this. I spoke this already. We must worship the Father in his habitation, his dwelling place, which is our human spirit. Our Father God is spirit, so we must exercise our spirit to contact him. Our spirit mingle with the divine spirit is a spirit of sonship in which we cry, Abba, Father. Right? So both Romans 8, and also Galatians, is it 3, chapter 3, chapter 4? You put those two verses together, you'll find the mingled spirit. The mingled spirit of sonship, the mingled spirit of the son crying. In one verse it says the spirit is crying. Another verse says we are crying. Hence, this proves the point of a joint cry of the spirit of the son crying in our spirit of sonship. Amen. He cries in our crying. We cry in his crying. Amen. Together we say, Abba, Father. Point five. Can you read? We need to learn the definite time and way for the worship of the Father. A, the proper time for the Father to be praised is not at the beginning or the middle of the table meeting, but at the end. B, we need to come to the Son first. That's the first part. So we can 
so that he can bring us to the Father, the second part. In our spiritual experience, we first come not to the Father, but to the Son, and then the Son brings us to the Father. Oh, he leads us. See, the definite time for the worship of the Father is after our remembrance of the Lord at the Lord's table. And the way for us to worship him is to worship under the leadership of Christ as our older brother. If we do this, our worship at the Lord's table will be complete. You see, if we don't worship the Father, actually, it's an incomplete worship, an incomplete remembrance. Okay, please read six. We should keep the proper order at the Lord's table meeting and should carry out the Lord's table in two sections. A, when we are partaking of the bread and drinking the cup, we should remember the Lord. All our praises, thanks, prayers, and singing should be addressed directly to the Lord and focused on the Lord. We covered that last night. After we remember the Lord, we should be grateful to the Father. Thus, we should follow the Lord within to worship the Father and thank Him. See, it is not logical or correct to address our thanks and praises to the Father while we are remembering the Lord. Instead, we should allow the Lord to take the lead, to bring us to the Father, and follow Him to praise, thank, and worship the Father according to the revelation of Hebrews 2.10 and 2.12 after our remembrance of the Lord Himself. D, we should not allow these two sections of the Lord's table to be confused. During the first section of the meeting, all our praises should be addressed to Christ. During the second section of the meeting, we should address our praises to God the Father. We should not offer worship to the Father while we are remembering the Lord. Neither should we praise the Lord while worshiping the Father. Now, brothers and sisters, this is not some legal right, but it is according to a logical principle. We need to practice this according to revelation and not according to some regulations. It is best to leave one-third or two-fifths of the time for worship of the Father. Today, I feel a lot because of a lack of revelation and putting the proper weight in the worship of the Father. We rush the second part. We just do it. We kind of give it lip service. Just kind of rush through, sing a hymn, done. Let's get on with prophesying. No, brothers and sisters, we need to linger. We need to dwell to give the Father the necessary worship. It says here one-third, even two-fifths of our time. An adequate amount of time should be reserved for the worship of the Father. In order to allow enough time for the worship of the Father, we may need to simultaneously pass the bread in the cup or divide the bread among two plates. That's not to hurry. But as I said last night, the physical eating of the bread and drinking of the cup is the secondary thing. The important thing is what is taking place in our spirit. Now we should be stately. We should not be fun and games at this time. But we are not here for some ritualistic thing. We're for the reality that is occurring 
in our spirit at the time. So we can just pass the bread and the cup rather quickly. So even so that we can proceed with the worship of the Father. We need to learn these things. Uh, oh, two, if we spend too much time passing the bread and the cup, there will not be sufficient time for the worship of the Father. We need to learn these things so that we may have a proper Lord's table meeting for the remembrance of the Lord and the worship of the Father. Please read seven. We need to consider our calling of him in the section of worshiping the Father at the Lord's table. We need to call hymns according to the Father's being. We'll say more tonight. The Father's name was not revealed until the Lord Jesus came. He came to reveal the name of the Father and the person of the Father. So we need to study those hymns under the heading, The Worship of the Father. Two, thus we have to call hymns according to the Father's person, the Father's being. We also need to call hymns according to the Father's attributes. We also have to call hymns according to the Father's attributes, such as his love, his kindness, his glory. You know, there's sections of his mercy, his wisdom, his plan, his life, and so on and so forth. Two, in the table of contents of our hymnal, under the section entitled Worship of the Father, we have a number of hymns categorized according to the Father's attributes. These attributes include his faithfulness, his greatness, his wisdom, his mercy, and his love. You see, without knowing these attributes of the Father, we will be empty. We don't know how to worship the Father. See, we have to differentiate and discern the hymns according to these two categories, the Father's being, what the Father is, and the Father's attributes. I think this is good enough. This is right now at 11.30. Did you get something, dear saints? You did, huh? But you need to practice, not just to know these things. We need a change at our Lord's table. Now, at least we should learn verse 2 of that hymn. Do you have that hymn? Uh, did, you, did you learn verse 1 last night? Did, did, did you sing it when your head hit the pillow? Did you memorize it? Okay, let, let's try to sing. Uh, okay. This is my body. I'm, I'm telling you the, the lyrics. This is my body, given for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Take, eat, and drink till you I see. Referring to... Ref this shall you do remember me shall we just sing that verse one okay okay uh, okay okay all right i like to sing without you sorry brother 
A cappella is better. This is my body given for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Take it and drink till you I see. This shall you do. Remember me. Okay, what is verse 2? Let's read it together once. You blessed the bread and broke it too. You took the cup and gave thanks to the covenant made in your blood, bestowed on us forgiveness. This I wrote this hymn as a dialogue. The first stanza, the Lord spoke to us. This stanza, we say something to him. You blessed the bread and broke it too. You took the cup and gave thanks too. The covenant made in your blood bestowed on us forgiveness true. You blessed the bread and broke it too. You took the Let's sing both verses. The, try, try, to, try to memorize it. Okay? This is my body for you. This is my blood.
tried to sing the last line. Forgiveness true. Okay? Bestowed on us. Forgiveness true. Okay, so this afternoon, sing this until you can memorize it. All right? Now, I think we still have some good times, at least 15 to 20 minutes. Please come up and respond. I believe you heard a lot. Now come and confirm that and say something. Amen. We have two microphones here. Brothers and sisters, Amen. an hour is coming and it is now. Amen. It is now. Amen. Oh, we are here to give true worship to our Father.